When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back once again, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, pumped up today. It's a Tuesday episode. That means we have the Sunday night recap to go through, the Monday night recap, and the all-important waiver wire segment at the end of the show to look forward into week eight. As I always say when I talk about these shows, it's time to put week seven behind you. It's done. It's over. Move on to week eight. We're now in the second half officially of the season. This is the playoff race time. Is where everything means so much more. You have to clamp down, make your last minute trades as you, as most leagues will only have a few more weeks to be able to do so. Start planning out. If you're in first place and second place and you have a four and two, a five and one, a six and oh, or excuse me, a, a totally backwards, a five and two, a six and one, a seven and oh type of record right now, start planning out your matchups for those fantasy playoff games. Maybe make a couple of trades if you can afford to do so to get players that have better matchups there that maybe have equal to or even in some cases a little less value than the players you give up depending on what the situation is. Don't go crazy. It's all about strategy. But start planning out ahead. Start you picking up waiver players that maybe it would help you down the road and not necessarily ones that will help you the most this given week. These are all things to consider depending on your situation, of course. And remember, it's only if you're, like I said, if you're five and two, six and one, seven and zero, you're looking really good in your leagues, and you have an opportunity to take first place. And it's, real, it's looking like there's a really good chance you're going to be a wind up in the playoffs. That's when you can start to take some liberties. Remember, it's a week to week thing, and anything can happen in fantasy football. You can go on a six game losing streak for the rest of the way out, and then find yourself on the outside looking in. So you're not sacrificing anything, but. This is the time where you can start to take chances, start to look ahead, 
start to get guys in position to help you through the rest of these bye weeks and into the playoffs and start to position your team as such to make your championship run. You're not going all in on that strategy yet because, like I said, there's still too many games left to completely go all in on that strategy. You have to make sure you still get there first. But if you're in that position, you're looking good, it's time to take some liberties. It's time to get ready for that championship run that MD Nation is going to work tirelessly to bring you. Now, if you're on the flip side of that, maybe if you're 0-7, you're toast. I'm sorry. The only advice I can give you is to keep playing hard because if it was you who was in first place, you would want everyone to play hard. You want there to be good competition throughout. You don't want there to be a sudden, a random bye week guy who can really screw up a lot of things for the league and hurt the integrity of the league. So don't be that guy. Plus, you're probably in a league that has some sort of punishment for coming in last place. You don't want to do that. So keep playing hard. Keep going on the waiver wire vigilantly. And the other thing to keep in mind, and this goes for if you're 0-7, if you're 1-6, even if you're 2-5, this goes for you guys out there. Keep making trades. Be aggressive. Still try to find ways to improve your team down the stretch run. Don't be afraid just because you're out of it to make a trade with a team if it makes sense for you, if it makes sense for your team. If you're in a situation where you have like one or two star players and that's the reason why you have such a bad record, maybe you go ahead and trade them for a couple good players so you can start to get some depth throughout your lineup so you can start to hit people from more directions because clearly what's been going for you so far has been working. So, you know, if it makes sense for your team, do the trade. It's okay to still trade in those situations, but you have to pay attention to what you're doing. Follow the show. Ask me questions at MDSFF Show on Twitter or at MDFF Show on Facebook or through the website www.mdffshow.com. I'll be there for you to help you out if you need the help. But just do things that are smart. Still make trades. Still be aggressive in trying to make your teams better every single day. If you're sitting right here, you're four and three, three and four. Even if you're two and five, you're still not out of it yet. Now, like I said, if you're one and six, zero oh and seven, you might be. But even if you're two and five, you still have a chance here with six games still left on the schedule. I mean, think about it. If you go six and zero, oh, you're eight and five. An eight and five team. 90% of the time is going to be in the playoffs. Even a 7-6 and six team has a pretty good chance of making it in the playoffs in most leagues. So you're not out of it yet if you're 2-5. and five. So be vigilant. Look for deals to be made. Look for guys who have bye weeks that have already played and put yourself in situations that you might be able to go on a run. And, you know, it stands to reason that if you're 2-5 and five right now, You've probably had a couple things happen to you. You've probably played some of the better teams in your league, and you've probably had some bad luck. Both of those things can get course corrected in the second half of the season. You'll probably play the other half of your league, which maybe not as good. The guys who are ahead in your league, who are five and two and six and one, are going to have bye weeks themselves coming up where they may lose a couple of games. And if you can go on a little bit of run, you can come right back in it. So even if you're two and five, you're not out of it yet. Keep that in mind. Keep being vigilant. Don't give up hope. That's my advice to you guys out there for this week. Now we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to recap the Sunday night game and get into the show. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. 
After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So coming into this Sunday game, this was supposed to be a, a big-time, long-time division rivalry game. And it was supposed to be a good one to go back and forth on. The way both defenses have been playing as of late, it could have possibly turned into a shootout. And what happened? <laughs> Dallas completely dominated this game. It wasn't even close. The Eagles looked like they never had a chance from the very beginning of the game. The defense came out to play, had turnovers early on. Carson Wentz was terrible in this one. 16 of 26, 191 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Not all of it was his fault. He was under duress that entire game, but this is supposed to be a pretty good Eagles offensive line, and they did not match up at all. Andre Dillard, the rookie, had his Lunch eaten and given to him and shoved it in his face, filling in for Jason Peters. He just looked like he was completely not ready to compete on the level of the Dallas Cowboy defensive front, which is banged up, by the way. There was no Crawford in this game, but couldn't handle Demarcus Lawrence. Lane Johnson couldn't handle Demarcus Lawrence. The Cowboys came out and said, you know what? Everyone's been saying that their defense isn't as good as everyone expected it to be, and they've been a little bit banged up, and they came out and made a statement in this game that, hey, we can still play some defense. We can still turn it up. That's what we saw in this matchup. And tell you what, the Eagles need to Sean Jackson. Carson Wentz, for his fantasy value, needs to Sean Jackson. For him to reach the ceiling, his potential of what he could be, because he could be a top five QB1 for fantasy purposes. But and he's not going to be that until he's able to get to Sean Jackson, until he's able to get a true vertical threat to help take the top off, to get those bigger plays and help open up everything else. They need to Sean back. I don't know when that's going to be. It's a week-to-week thing. Keep hoping it's going to be one week and one week and one week. At this point, I don't know. We haven't got enough information on the injury yet. We still haven't been given a true timetable to this point. What we do know is Jordan Howard continues to be the lead rusher. 11 carries, 50 yards in this game. Only tacks on two catchers, six yards. Doesn't find the end zone in this one, but he is somebody you can continue to play as a flex guy who you know in most games, in most situations, is going to have an opportunity to score a touchdown. He is going to be that guy. He is the lead rusher. Obviously, because of that reason, you like him a hell of a lot more, save it's in a standard league than a half point or a full point PPR league. There, you would like Miles Sanders more, who did only get three catches for 11 yards in this game uh, and only six catches, or, I'm sorry, six carries for 21 yards. Was actually out carried by Boston Scott, but most of that came in the fourth quarter when the game was already well out of hand. You like Miles Sanders more in those half-point and full-point PPR leagues. Still is a lower-end flex play, but is a serviceable guy who can come in for a spot start, especially as you go through the bye weeks. Now, week eight is going to be a little bit better for several reasons. We only have two teams on bye. There's a much better waiver wire 
uh, to go over. So that we have a much, I mean, we have a much thicker waiver wire report segment later on. And I'm actually going to have my sportscaster video later on tonight. I hadn't done a waiver wire report the last couple of weeks. Because the last couple of weeks, it literally would have been a three minute video. So I am going to be doing a video later on tonight. Make sure you check that out on sportscaster.com, MDFF Show USN to find me on there because uh, I'll be able to do that, and then you'll be able to see the live version of me breaking down the waiver wire report for you for that as well. But just to kind of belabor the point here, Miles Sanders may be somebody you don't have to use. I would only use him if you absolutely have to because he just doesn't have a high enough ceiling. There's not going to be enough opportunities for him to be scoring a touchdown. And he's not a guy who's going to necessarily get you over 100 yards from scrimmage unless he has a huge day through the air, which isn't going to be a lot of the time, frankly. Also on Jeffrey... Two catches, 38 yards, five targets. Zach Ertz, two catches, 38 yards, five targets. Same stat line. Look, Alshon, Zach Ertz, better days are ahead. But with Ertz right now, this is, what, seventh game in a row that we've had to deal with Ertz being disappointing. Now, as far as tight ends go, if you're, if you're playing in a league where you're playing him as a tight end, I'm still fine with him because you're not going to find a tight end who's A, more talented, B, on a better offense, and C, worth a damn, because right now there's a lot of tight ends who aren't. Is he what you drafted him to be? No. And if you draft him in the third or fourth round, is he possibly hindering your fantasy team? Yeah, but there's nothing you can do about that now. And given the tight end situation, Zach Ertz is not, is dealing away Zach Ertz is not going to help improve your team. If you're in a league where you don't have to play a tight end, where you can play a receiver instead, or have the option between the two, Zach Ertz is somebody who not only would I would bench, but I would look to try to see if I could trade away for 50 cents on the dollar. And that's not something I normally like to do, but we're far enough along in the season where it just seems like he's not going to eat. Now, maybe when Deshaun Jackson comes back, it'll help open up things in the middle of the field, and Zach Ertz will be able to get more in control of his domain as a result. But... Dallas Goddard got worked in today. He really even hasn't been a factor of why Zach Ertz has been disappointing. They're just not going to him as much. Plain and simple. So that's my advice to how to handle the Zach Ertz situation depending on what type of league that you're in. Alshon's just going to have better days ahead. Nelson Aguilar, if you haven't figured it out by now, unless there's nobody else on the field like there was the one week that he had a decent game, you can't play Nelson Aguilar, nor does he even deserve to be rostered in any fantasy format whatsoever. You're never going to start him. That's all you really need to talk about for the Eagles side. On the Cowboys side of the ball, a lot more to talk about here. They didn't throw the ball as much as I expected them to, but I also expected this to be a closer, more high-scoring... Well, I shouldn't say that. The Dallas Cowboys did score 37 points. I expected this to be a closer and a more high-scoring game on the Eagles' side of the ball here. So I thought they would be in a position where they would have to stay aggressive, and we know they can take advantage of the secondary of the Eagles. I mean, regard, I don't care that Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby come back. They, they still suck. You can still take advantage of them. But you didn't have to in this one couple of reasons. The defense dominated. Ezekiel Elliott dominated. 22 carries, 111 yards, a touchdown on what's been one of the top rushing defenses in the NFL. No one's been able to have great games against them, and Elliott comes in here and dominates. Now, a couple things here as to why. His offensive line was officially healthy. Tyrone Smith was back. Zach Martin was healthy, good to go. Travis Frederick, look, look, they had everybody on the offensive line. They hadn't had everybody on the offensive line all year long so far. So that was the first reason. The second reason was twofold. On the Eagles' side of the ball, you're playing with 
no Tim Jernigan. You were playing with your backup, backup defensive tackle, and then Fletcher Cox went down for a large portion of this game. So then you have you didn't have Fletcher Cox either. So that really was twofold as to why Elliott was able to take advantage of this Eagles defense the way no one else as a running back really had been able to to this point. He does tack on six catches for 36 yards, so he also gives you like a little boost there. But Elliott was great in this game. And just, you know, Elliott's an RB1, and he shows you why. No matter what the matchup is, he can always come back and perform. Dak Prescott still wound up having a decent fantasy day because he had five carries for 30 yards and a touchdown on the ground. 239 yards, a touchdown, an interception through the air. Still winds up having a decent fantasy day. You definitely didn't lose your week because of Dak Prescott, but in this matchup where you're hoping he was... It had more to do with game flow. I want to stress that point because a lot of people are going to look at this box score, look at this game with Dak Prescott who maybe didn't watch the Sunday night game or didn't watch all of it and say, oh, he stinks. He's never going to go back to what he was before. You know, We're just going to move on. Slow your roll. That's not going to necessarily be the case. He still looks... Like a much better passer this year than any other point in his career. He still looks like that offense suits him really well. And I think he's going to have bigger games. This was game flow as to why he didn't have a better, more aggressive game. And so you were expecting a big fantasy output. He wound up giving you a good, competent output, but not exactly the high ceiling that you were hoping for. But I do believe better days are ahead of Dak Prescott. And as long as he continues to give you something on the ground like he has the past few weeks, you really have no reason not to play him because he's been giving you a high floor every single week. As far as receivers go, Amari Cooper came back in this game, didn't disappoint. Five catches, 106 yards on five targets. The only thing he didn't do was get in the end zone. But Amari Cooper continues to be a wide receiver one whenever he's able to be on the field. As far as we know, there wasn't any re-aggravation of the ankle. He didn't have any setbacks. So maybe he could be back from here on out or at least going into next week. Michael Gallup was disappointing this one. Three catches, 34 yards on four targets. Had a big time drop. He's still somebody who needs to be rostered, but now he might be sitting in more of the lower end wide receiver three territory, approaching wide receiver four territory, unless his passing offense gets it turned around than he was before, which was top end wide receiver three, borderline bottom end wide receiver two territory. So that's kind of where his value drops for me a little bit after this game with Amari Cooper back. The volume's not always going to be guaranteed there and doesn't get really much better matchups than this too. So while their game flow, the offense, they didn't have to throw it as much as they possibly could have. It's still something to see with Michael Gallup, but among Mari Cooper's out there, the, the volume won't always be there. He's still a very good wide receiver. He's still going to have better days ahead, but maybe he's not a perennial weekly starter as he was possibly turning into even coming back off the injury. So just kind of keep that in mind too. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to recap the Monday night game for you right here. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Now, everyone listening to this podcast, whether in your car in a room, raise your hand if you expected the New England Patriots to blow out the New York Jets. 
There you go. Everyone's hand should be raised. This game went exactly as expected. The Patriots defense has been unreal this season. They continue to be fantasy football superstars right now. And whoever in your league has New England Patriots defense, they have simply what can only be described as an unfair advantage week in and week out to be able to get RB1 level production, almost QB1 level production out of a defense so far. Now, their schedule does get a little bit tougher over the next few weeks, but they're still not playing any juggernaut offenses that scare you. And going up against Cleveland Browns with the way Baker Mayfield has played this season, they probably have another matchup on deck where they could probably get you another 20 points with a bunch of turnovers and a bunch of sacks once again. No reason they won't. I mean, they absolutely just dismantled the New York Jets in this game. There was no two ways about it. And there's not really much to talk about on the Jets' side of the ball outside of Le'Veon Bell continues to find ways to have a safe floor for you. No, he hasn't been the RB1, but he has been a high-end RB2. And given what this offense has gone through with having to start Luke Falk for a couple of games, having to play the Patriots in this one, I think the fact that Le'Veon Bell has been able to give you anything has been kind of a godsend in a way. Because it could very easily just been shut out completely. So the touches that he continues to garner, as their schedule does get a little bit early, uh, easier as the season moves on, we'll play the Dolphins a couple of times here. It will have some matchups where you should be able to take advantage of. Things will get better. And he's been able to give you a good floor in the meantime. So Le'Veon Bell is still somebody who I would stay pretty strong on. I'm okay with as an RB2. He's not going to be the RB1 that you wanted him to be uh, this season. But you knew when you drafted Le'Veon Bell that was, he was coming with some risk of having a terrible offensive line and a terrible offense that around him that he was going to have to deal with. So this isn't coming as a big shock, but it is nice to see that the touches, the fact that he's been playing hard every single game, the fact he's been able to give you a decent floor is something you can continue to sink your teeth into. Nothing to talk about with the wide receivers other than you knew they weren't going to be able to do much in this game. Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder. The thing to take out of this was Demarius Thomas was actually the most targeted wide receiver in this matchup with nine targets. So if Demarius Thomas is going to have that kind of a role, it does take away some of the value, especially from Jameson Crowder. Robbie Anderson's still going to be a big play threat depending on the matchup any given week. But Jameson Crowder had real wide receiver three flex appeal for PPR leagues. And he loses some value if Demarius Thomas is going to be this involved in the offense. Now we'll see if this continues. Uh, the slot wide receiver is still a focal point in the Adam Gase offense. It's still a focal point for Sam Donald more times than not. So we'll see against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get a better idea of how this is really going to truly look to shake out. Plus, we might get to see Chris Herndon come back. So we'll get a good idea of where exactly the Jets' pass catchers are going to fall in line with each other. Hopefully, Jameson Crowder is able to keep that because he could be a sneaky little uh, play in PPR leagues for you that you could plug in and play in your flex, your wide receiver three spots. But we have to see how, how it pans out because Demarius Thomas, Chris Herndon are going to come in and get some volume. No one in this offense besides Robbie Anderson may have any kind of fantasy upside then. And with Anderson, it was just because of the big play. On the Patriots' side of the ball, Sony Michelle, 19 carries, 42 yards. Once again, very inefficient. But he does fall into the end zone three times in this one. Instead of Tom Brady getting quarterback sneaks, instead of Brandon Bolden stealing touchdown work for him, they actually let Sony Michelle get the ball in the goal line. Look what he was able to do. I did say I expected bigger things out of Sony Michelle, and I said that Ben Watson's going to help. Isaiah Wynn is back on the men, expected back within the next week or two, and all those things are going to help Sony Michelle. 
The biggest thing is just giving him the ball when they get in the red zone. Now, this is the Patriots. It could just as likely be back to Brady and Bolden next week. Or it could even be Rex Burkhead for all we know. This is New England Patriots you're talking about. But over the past three weeks, Sony Michelle has had an emphasis in getting the ball, getting touchdowns, getting more utilized. The Patriots still want to be able to run the ball. Look, without Josh Gordon, you're still looking at Julian Edelman as the main wide receiver here. Now, they did just trade for Mohamed Sanu, but I don't know how much that really does fantasy-wise. I don't, it doesn't make them be even more of a passing team than they were before. So I don't think that really affects much as far as Sony Michelle is concerned. It might help out Tom Brady, who I would say was disappointing in this game. He threw for 45 times. They'll only come away with 249 uh, nine yards after throwing it for 45 times against the Jets. is a little disappointing. A lot of it was just quick, short throws. Uh, definitely, clearly, the Patriots are trying to do everything in their power to hide the fact that their offensive line is not good right now. They do, like I said, they have a case where they might be able to get better as the season moves on. Some guys might be able to come back from injury to help out with that, but right now, they're doing everything in their power to hide that, which is why I don't think Sonny Michelle, no matter what the matchup is, until that offensive line gets healthy, he's going to be inefficient. You're playing him and hoping for touchdowns. That's it. He had been a little bit involved in the passing game since Rex Burkhead was out, but in this one, only two targets, and then the one catch that he had wound up going for negative eight yards. So, not great there. Brandon Bolton was more involved between the 20s in the passing down game. And James White, of course. You know, eight targets, seven catches, 59 yards. He continues to be an RB2 as in PPR leagues only. Um, still only a high floor flex play in standard leagues. He's just—he's not getting the carries like he did last year. They don't need him as much in the passing game, so he's gonna have a decent floor. He's always gonna have some serviceability, but he's really only a start every single week in a PPR league. That's about it. As far as wide receivers go, Jacoby Myers was able to make a splash, but I think he goes away with the Mohamed Sanu uh, acquisition. So I think you're gonna see him disappear. Don't forget to kill Harry's on his way back. Julian Edelman got his normal 12 targets, double did targets, seven catches, 47 yards. You would have wanted him to do more, but getting seven catches and double digit targets is what we expected him to do in this game. Just didn't get as many yards as maybe you would have hoped for. Philip Dorsett was able to get the touchdown. Look, as long as Josh Gordon is out, Philip Dorsett is that deep ball guy that they're going to go to on the outside. So he's going to have opportunities to get touchdowns like this where he got, when he caught the 26-yarder in the back of the end zone. So that's going to be all possible, but these are all matchup-based situations except for Julian Edelman, frankly. And we have to see because they're going to have some changes. Even if Josh Gordon doesn't come back right away, they're going to have some changes now at the wide receiver position. So we're going to have to see how all of that shakes out. My suspicion is that, you know, Mohamed Sanu, until Josh Gordon comes back or Nikhil Harry establishes himself, will be the number two receiver as far as targets go with next to Julian Edelman. But it will be more of a Jacoby Myers role in this one where he had five targets, played the other outside. And I don't know how great Mohamed Sanu really can be on the outside perimeter anymore. He's lost a step a long time ago. He's much better as a bigger slot receiver. You can play Julian Edelman on the outside too, but that also takes away what he does best. So, Unless the Patriots are suddenly going to go four wide and have two slot receivers, I don't know if Sanu is going to be in the best position to be able to have a fantasy impact necessarily. For now, he may have targets. So for now, you might want to play him in the flex, possibly. But when Josh Gordon comes back and Nikhil Harry gets in there, I think they gave up a second-round pick for Sanu, so they must have something in store for him, in mind for him. But... There's a scenario where I can see him becoming the odd man out as well. So we're going to have to see how this all shakes out. Maybe what they're going to plan on is using Sanu as a glorified tight end. 
Um, I could see that as a scenario. Not that they would line him up all in the actual line of scrimmage that often, but a tight end who gets to split out a little bit and kind of use him in that role. That's something I could see them doing, but it's going to take some finagling, I think, in order for him to have value really moving forward. Nothing else to really go over here in this game. Pretty straightforward. You know what Patriot players are going to be playing. You know better days are ahead for the Jets players, starting off with, you know, not an easy match against the Jaguars, but a better matchup than you have against New England Patriots. So we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to have the waiver wire report for you, and then we'll close down the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Now it's time for the most important part of the show, of course, and that is the waiver wire report. And like I said earlier on in the show, this is a much different waiver wire report than we've had the past couple of weeks. Now, part of it is unfortunately due to injury. Part of it is also there's more players to finally be able to go after that are on average less than 50% owned across all of the major platforms. That's what we're looking at in today's show. And so that's what we're hoping for here. So we're going to be able to find some players that we are going to be able to pick up, plug in, and be able to get through these bye weeks. So it's a much more important waiver wire show. That's why there will be a sportscaster video on the waiver wire report later on tonight if you want to check that out as well and see me go into it about it into even a little bit more detail necessarily than I will go on in here. Plus, it'll be later on. We'll get more information. So there might be some guys who get added on due to some prize uh, diagnosis of injuries and whatnot. But kicking it off here, first we're going to start off with the quarterbacks for this week that you can possibly stream. And that goes with Jacoby Brissett at 49% owned. So he just makes that cut of that less than 50% mark that he he can be picked up in most leagues. Uh, Matthew Stafford at 48% owned can be picked up and played against the Giants this week. And Kirk Cousins, 38% owned, playing against the Washington Redskins. Revenge game in this one. Yes, he won't have Adam Thielen. He'll will, he will have Stephon Diggs, though, and that will be enough against the Washington Redskins to get his revenge without a doubt. Uh, so now that we have those quarterbacks out of the way, they're pretty much self-explanatory. All three of those quarterbacks, first of all, all had top 10 performances last week, have all been on a bit of a hot streak in their own right in the past several weeks, and have been playing really well and have good offenses around them. Kirk Cousins, like I said, he's come back. He is on a hot streak right now playing against Washington Redskins. You're going to love it for Thursday Night Football. Matthew Stafford has all the weapons in the world. And now with on Johnson hurt, hopefully won't be for too long. Right now, the reports that we are getting is that it's week to week. We'll hopefully get a little bit more details later on today after hearing this podcast uh, on Tuesday. So to make sure you know what exactly is going on there, we still haven't gotten a lot of details other than he might be week to week. So hopefully it won't go too long. But if he is going to be out, Matthew Stafford figures to probably have even more volume. So he'll probably lean more on the passing game moving forward with no carry on Johnson. And Jacoby Brissett's just been very good. Plain and simple. Hasn't really mattered who they've played. He's been very competent. And whenever T.Y. Hilton's out in the field, Jacoby Brissett has the potential to throw multiple touchdowns to throw for 300 yards when he has the deep threat that is T.Y. Hilton to be able to go to. So everything else kind of falls into place as a result. So as long as he has Hilton healthy on the field, Jacoby Brissett has a chance to be a very good fantasy quarterback. 
He also tacks on a lot of, a good amount of rushing yards too, which keeps his floor high. Had a great game last week against Houston. So that's why I have those three quarterbacks on here. The fourth guy on my list is a kicker. Joey Sly, 34% owned. A lot of people dropped him after the bye weeks. Pick him up. He's the number one kicker so far for fantasy football. That probably will continue. The Carolina Panthers are always going to be able to move the ball as long as they have Christian McCaffrey. But scoring is a different matter. If Christian McCaffrey can't find a way to finish, it's kind of hit or miss if they actually are able to finish in the red zone. Joey Sly has been booting 50-yarders nonstop. As long as they get within his wide range, they'll let him kick the field goal. So go ahead, pick him up. Yeah, we're talking kickers. He's that important right now. Corey Davis, 41%. Hello, Ryan Tannehill. You officially made Corey Davis a player who's on my fantasy radar. That's hard to do because I'm not a Corey Davis, Corey Davis believer. I'm not. Uh, I still think A.J. Brown's the better wide receiver. But with Ryan Tannehill under center, rather than it being Marcus Mariota, I thought eventually A.J. Brown would just overtake Corey Davis as the number one wide receiver there in Tennessee with Marcus Mariota. Now that it's Ryan Tannehill, I think it might flip back the other way a little bit. I think A.J. Brown's still going to be involved, and like just like he was involved last week. But I do think more targets are going to head towards Corey Davis's way with Ryan Tannehill under center. I do think there's a possibility, a possibility the Titans could wind up having two valid wide receivers for fantasy football purposes in certain matchups. It's not going to be week to week. I'm not trying to burn a bunch of fab or use a priority to try to get me a tight end, a, t- a Tennessee Titan wide receiver. They're still going to be run first. They're still Derrick Henry, still the guy they want to go to for that offense in general. But the aggressiveness of Ryan Tannehill, who's willing to show. I think does make them fantasy relevant. And in this case, for this week, I would say Corey Davis is somebody that I would look at on the waiver wire this particular week. And then possibly A.J. Brown down the road. But not this week. Next up, Dante Pettis. I know he blanked you. Again, like I talked about in yesterday's recap show, throw out everything you saw or think you know about that Washington Redskins and San Francisco 49er game. Unless you watched the game and saw the pool of which they were swimming to try to play football in, nothing should be is worth taking out of that game whatsoever for fantasy purposes. Just wipe your hands of it, be done with it, move on. Dante Pettis, Debo's, Dante Pettis still has been getting more and more work as a starting outside wide receiver for the 49ers. Debo Samuel still hurt. There's no guarantee he plays this week with the groin injury. Dante Pettis has been getting more uh, route running opportunities even before Debo Samuel got hurt. I still think this offense is in desperate need of a wide receiver one to emerge at some point outside of George Kittle. My money is still that being Dante Pettis because as long as he starts getting more opportunities to me, he is still the best wide receiver they have on that team. So I do think Dante Pettis is somebody you could pick up, you could stash, you could play him in certain situations. I don't think it's going to be long before he makes himself fantasy relevant. He's only 28% owned. Mark Walton. This one feels completely gross. And if I can help it, I'm not going to pick him up. As we saw with the Dolphins, even though Kalen Balazs is a waste completely as a football player, they're still using him. When they get into the goal line, two weeks in a row now, he's had, you know, less than, you know, within the five-yard line, gets a touchdown run. It's unfortunate. I hope, like I kept saying yesterday, I hope Kenyon Drake is traded because he's a very good player who doesn't deserve what he's getting right now. 
but it looks like Mark Walton is going to be the guy that is going to get most of the carries. Not somebody who I'm rushing out for, not somebody I'm going to waste a priority on, not somebody I'm going to waste fad budget on, but if you have a tough upcoming bye week, week 9, week 12, week 10, some of the heavier bye weeks we're going to see this season, you might want to pick him up because at least he's going to have a pulse. At least he's going to get carries that might give you some serviceability those particular weeks, depending on what your team makeup is. So he's somebody we have to put on here, but ugh, I really don't like it. I don't like that I have to. At 14% owned, Kiki Kute. Another one that I'm not crazy about. I'm not going to go crazy to go get him either. But Will Fuller, the report is that he's had a significant hamstring pull and that he's going to be out for several weeks. We don't have the exact timeline, but it does sound to me like he could wind up missing at least the rest of the regular season for fantasy football. Maybe he's back for your fantasy football playoffs. Maybe that's enough for you to hang on to him, especially if you have an IR spot. But in the meantime, it means Kenny Stills, who's also on this list as he's only 10% on average owned. So Kenny Stills, Kiki Kute are two guys that you can go after. Kenny Stills is who I would go after over Kiki Kute. Uh, he'll have the upside, the down-the-field threat, that position to himself. He's been pretty good so far with the Houston Texans and with Deshaun Watson. So I do think you go after Kenny Stills first because he has that upside. But Kiki Kute is still somebody who's now going to be the starting slot receiver he has produced in that role before. Now, I know he hasn't produced at a high rate in the two games that he had the opportunity to do so, so far this season, but with more games on the way, more chances for him to get under his belt, more time for the Houston Texans to have to throw, 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 because they're, they're going to have to keep being aggressive, because what we saw against the Colts, they don't have a good, they don't have a good defense in the Houston Texans, so they're going to have more games, they're going to have to score a ton of points in order to win. There's going to be opportunities moving forward. Kute is somebody, it's only PPR leagues. It's not half point. It's not standard. Full point PPR leagues only. He is somebody who I think you can maybe pick up playing the flex in a tough spot because the volume might be there. But Kenny Stills is who I want. Kenny Stills is going to have the upside of a Will Fuller. He's not quite as dynamic of a down the field threat as Will Fuller, but he's not far off. And he's going to fit that role just perfectly fine, and he'll have the extra volume there being on the outside most of the time, too. Uh, Next up, we want to talk about Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Devontae Parker, 13% owned on average. Preston Williams, 12% owned on average. I've had these guys on here last couple times on Wave Wire Report. They keep getting enough targets, no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Rosen or now Ryan Fitzpatrick, they keep getting just enough targets, just enough volume to make themselves serviceable, to make themselves worthy of wanting to grab them. So, yeah, I mean, look, they're wide receiver fours, wide receiver fives, but they're, they're competent. They're going to get looks. Devontae Parker has been a threat in the red zone. Preston Williams has been out-targeting Devontae Parker. They're, as far as PPR leagues go, they are guys that you can spot start in your flex as your wide receiver three depending on your leagues and you can actually expect to get you know at least not blanketed i'm not 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 blanketed but not blanked no zeros have comp have comp uh compability there and with ryan fitzpatrick who's willing to throw the deep ball they both have big playability so these are guys who are lesser owned who i do think in these bye weeks could provide a solid little start for you and at least keep you competitive in games. They're not going to win you anything, obviously, but they, they can keep you competitive in games for your weekly matchups to get through the bye weeks. 
they've, they've been better than people I think realize. They've been more involved than people I think realize. Now, next up we have is J.D. McKissick and Ty Johnson. This is strictly because Carry On Johnson, like I said, the report is as of now, week to week, we still need to know more before we can make a real assessment. But at least going into this week against the New York Giants, you have both Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick. We just saw what Chase Edmonds did to them. Now, of the two, which one do I want? I want Ty Johnson. I know J.D. McKissick had been reported as the number two running back, and I know that there's this idea that he's going to have this role in the passing game, and he, he'll, he'll have some volume. This will be a committee. Don't make any mistake about it. It will be a committee. But you look no further than that game. Look, Carryon Johnson went out early in the first half. So we got to see a decent amount of that game with J.D. McKissick and Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson had doubled the touches, doubled the carries, and doubled the receptions. It wasn't J.D. McKissick automatically in passing downs, and it really hasn't been. Ty Johnson has shown that he is a good pass catcher in his own right, so it wouldn't. It, it would surprise me, actually, if J.D. McKissick was suddenly automatically the third down back for that team. I think there will be some sort of a committee, but I do think it's going to be Ty Johnson who's going to be the starting running back and is going to get more of the touches overall than J.D. McKissick. I think both of them are people who can be picked up. Uh, J.D. McKissick only in PPR leagues. I should add that caveat. Ty Johnson, I'll pick him up in any scoring format. But that's what I would do. Especially if you're a carry-on Johnson owner. These weren't handcuffs that were brutal, that were, I should say brutal, but necessary for you to pick up and have had beforehand the handcuff carry-on Johnson because he didn't have a clear-cut handcuff really. But I think we've seen Ty Johnson be effective in this one, and I think we've seen that he is the guy that I think they will go to as the actual bona fide starting running back. Like I said, it will be a committee of sorts, but I think it could be an overall 60-40, maybe 55-45 split in Ty Johnson's favor. So that's why I would go with him over J.D. McKissick, but both of them are people that you can pick up this week. Now, I left off some guys here who are also on my list. Well, not left them off, but saved them for the end here because they're mostly handcuffs. Alexander Madison, still only 25% owned. If you're a Dalvin Cook owner who's owned in 100% of leagues, Alexander Madison needs to be owned in 100% of leagues. I mean, he's the most important handcuff of all, in my opinion, because we know Dalvin Cook has an injury history. Now, he's looked great this year. Whatever he did in the offseason to try to get ready to make sure he wasn't going to get hurt, he's done a wonderful job. But he still has that history. Alexander Madison still looks like he could be a very good running back if given the same equal amount of opportunities of Dalvin Cook. This is a Vikings running game that is here to stay. So Alexander Madison has to be owned if you're a Dalvin Cook owner. I get it. You don't want to waste the roster spot. You You don't necessarily want to handcuff. There's some handcuffs that are too important. Too important. So I'm giving you my spiel on that one. But what I do want to say here is that there are other handcuffs that need to be owned as well, but maybe aren't as important, like a Tony Pollard. Zeke Elliott doesn't have that injury history. So I understand it a little bit more if you don't own Tony Pollard as an Ezekiel Elliott owner. But my advice to you is I would try to find the room on your roster if you can to have Tony Pollard because the last thing you want to do is have something happen and then you're left out to dry. And by the way, when we talk about these top handcuffs, Madison, Pollard, uh, we're going to talk about Benny, uh, or, no, sorry, Benny Snell is a different conversation. We're going to talk about Reggie Bonifant in a second here. These are all guys that, hey, you know what? If you have a really good record and you have a spot on your bench, 
You can stash one of these guys. Take a lottery ticket. See what happens. Especially in Madison's case. But these are guys that you can take lottery tickets on even if you don't necessarily own the starting running back there. So that's a play for you. That's a strategy that you can utilize as well. But if you own these guys, Reggie Bonifon, if you have Chris McCaffrey, I know he doesn't have the injury history either, but I would find a way. I would find a way to have Reggie Bonifon on my roster if I can. You just don't want to be put in a situation where if your RB1 goes down, especially an elite guy, that you don't have the handcuff because that can be a season killer. It doesn't matter if you're 7-0. If your team is built on Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, or Dalvin Cook, they go down, your season could go right down with them. It doesn't matter how good of a start you've had so far. doesn't matter. Avoid that potential possibility. That's what I'm here for, to help advise you for the things like this. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, Benny Snell. And this, Benny Snell is the last guy on my waiver wire report, so we will wrap it up with this. Benny Snell is a little bit more than just a handcuff. We don't know yet recording this, you know, I'm recording this Monday night, so we won't, that way you guys will get this, you know, early on Tuesday. So as of right now, recording this Monday night, I don't have the information, the inside details exactly to the nature of James Conner's injury. We know that he was banged up before going into the bye. We know that there was optimism that he would be okay after the bye week. But we don't know for sure exactly where he is on the health scale. We do know Jalen Samuels is still going to be out for a few more weeks. So Benny Snell is the handcuff to James Conner right now. So if you're a James Conner owner, you want to own Benny Snell at the moment. But also, even if you're not, we don't exactly know exactly how healthy James Conner is, if he's banged up, or if for some reason he had a setback that we don't know about yet or isn't as ready to go as we thought he would be coming out of the bye, Benny Snell is going to wind up being a starting running back this week. So that's why I say he's a little bit of a different conversation than the other handcuffs at the moment, just because there's a little more of a situation that he might get to play. So pick up Benny Snell. If you're a James Conner owner, I would use fab budget on Benny Snell. I would. I would make sure I got him just to be safe. Look, Conner's been nicked up in a couple games already this season anyway, so even if he is good to go, you're going to want to have Benny Snell. So I would use fab budget on him. He's a very vital handcuff, especially this week. All right, that wraps it up for this show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope it's going to be very helpful for you guys moving into week eight. As always, we will be back on Thursday and on Friday with our two preview episodes. Make sure you're asking your questions to me in the meantime on Twitter at MDSFFshow or on Facebook at MDFFshow or direct email me through the website www.mdffshow.com. I will select, as always, a handful of questions to be shouted out and discussed on the episodes on Thursday and on Friday. So you might have that opportunity if you hit me up as well. But of course, I will always give you an informed and insightful answer to try to help you with your dilemmas that you come to me with. Make sure you're checking out this podcast on any one of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you go. The MD's Phoenix Football Show is widely available to you. And please leave a review, a five-star review with a comment. It helps the show do wonders in being able to spread our wings and spread our entire uh, marketability and our hold and where we can reach uh, basically at the end of the day. And also make sure you're checking out one of my networks, Belly Up Sports. I've been very active on there every single day with the with player news and fantasy tips and everything on there as well as I'm now the head for their fantasy department over there. They actually are, just as a side note, if you do other fantasy sports, 
We are opening it up over there for basketball and hockey, and hopefully uh, we'll have a department or staff ready to go for baseball when the baseball season comes around. But there are going to be we are going to be doing other sports. Uh, as well for the fantasy sports account there at Belly Up. So make sure you're checking that out. And also make sure you're checking out my sportscaster videos that I do with the Unwrapped Sports. Those guys are great as well. They're great videos I put out. I usually try to put out three a week. Uh, waiver wire report, rankings video, injury report. The rankings, of course, will be available on the website as well on Thursday afternoon. And make sure you're checking out Overtime Heroics. We have one of the best forums out there that you can go to and discuss all of your sports, you know, desires with other fans and your opinions and arguments and everything like that. One of the great places that you can go to and check that out too. So make sure you're checking out one of them. I will see you guys on Thursday and have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.